I think that there's certain things we see, man. The old adage is like, if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a <laughs> duck, right? Yeah, so yeah. I think that one, this is what I tell people too, is like, I'm trying to go back to what our ancestors did, right? And that goes okay. with fasting, that goes with the eating, like eating of the earth, man. They, and and this is our our ancestors and just human ancestors, right? Yeah, it, it, humanity. You know what I mean? Humanity, bro. Like we didn't have to, they didn't have to worry about all of these adulterations to what they were eating. Granted, there was, of course, there were other things they had to worry about, right? So Bible, mm-hmm. Uh, The Stretch 4 Podcast is brought to you by Modern Tax. Tax season has come and gone, but the data from tax filings can be leveraged to help financial institutions make better financial decisions about their individuals and their business customers. It all starts and ends with accessing clean and reliable data. Modern Tax is a business-to-business intelligence platform built on the top of tax information. Through this tax information, we're able to give you insights into revenue, income, good standing, key officer, and other business information that you need on your business customers, as well as individuals. Modern Tax offers two products to help businesses verify both businesses and consumers for online financial services by leveraging public and private tax records. With coverage across 7 million U.S.-based businesses and millions of consumers, Modern Tax helps companies stay compliant and utilizes this alternative data set to save time, money, and increase performance. Modern Tax offers an insights platform that delivers data to you within minutes and not days or hours as it would take to get this information through traditional vendors, which have taken up to 550 days to return a report. Check out moderntax.io to find out more about the company and get a discount using Stretch4 on your first invoice. Thank you, Modern Tax, and I hope you guys enjoy this week's show. Welcome back to the Stretch4 Podcast. I am your host, Matt Parker, coming to you live from San Francisco. Hope everybody is having a great week. It is Tuesday morning and you know, we're here in the Stretch Four studio recording this podcast. Interesting episode today. I actually took a step off the beaten path and caught up with a good friend of mine who's really been active in the, I would say, health and wellness space for quite some time. He's been very, very adamant about his routine as it pertains to his diet and his fitness and his physique. So we ju- we jumped into that, unlocked some stories around how how he you know transitioned. We went to college together. And also, he's most more recently moved into online content creation himself. So talk through that story about that, which will come up at the tail end here of the show. Highlights that I want to get to this week, talking about Silicon Valley and generally an article that came out in New York Times titled The End of Faking It in Silicon Valley, which really focuses on what we are seeing and what we've seen in the past two years with tons of fraud exposure from Elizabeth Holmes, Sam Bankman-Fried. So we'll jump into that article, talk a bit about that. Also, as it pertains to AI and data, Stack Overflow was one of the first companies to say that they're going to start to charge AI giants for training data. But uh, also, Stack Overflow was one of the first companies to experience a drop in usage since AI has become a relevant part of most people's lives. So we'll jump in there. Also, a shocking story that we discovered this week, a company by the name of Datadog, which reported on their earnings last year, a $65 million customer 
And we now know who that customer was. So we'll jump in, talk a bit about that on the show and kind of what that means uh, for the industry. So great show today. Uh, Happy to have everybody back and excited to get going with the Stretch Forward podcast. So this week in the founder learning section of the podcast, I wanted to highlight three stories that impacted kind of me and had me thinking. The first one is an article published in the New York Times related to the faking it epidemic that we've endured in Silicon Valley. And this is obviously a real story to me because as a startup founder, you're you're kind of pushed into this position to kind of fake it till you make it. It's been historically the way that companies are able to raise money, the way that companies are able to build their businesses and build their companies. This story particularly highlighted, you know, recent stories that we've seen, Sam Bateman Freed, Elizabeth Holmes, several people that have been involved in situations where, you know, faking it was a primary focus of their business. And that was how they actually were able to raise money and able to acquire capital. We gotta we gotta be realistic with these stories. It goes two ways. There are realities that founders can fake it and essentially commit fraud and crime and all these things. And there's a reality of that. But I also think that as a founder myself, founders are often put in very tough and difficult positions consistently. Kind of glad in a way that things are starting to mellow out as far as the growth and move fast and break things ethos that we've really seen in the past 10 years. And I think you will see a drop in this fraud, you know, as a category, right? Like, I don't know how many more books or stories uh, we're going to have in the next 10 years around that, that will at least reach the scale of Elizabeth Holmes and Sam Bankman fried who were able to raise billions of dollars and, and live very lavish lifestyles and then end up being found as frauds. I think you will see a lot of earlier stage fraud exposed companies that disproportionately misuse funds. But again, those stories won't make the headlines because again, the reason that these stories become very, very big is because these people raise a large amount of money, right? If you're raising a two, $3 million round of funding, and you're misusing those funds, it's not going to make New York Times. Now, you may be blackballed from raising money again in the venture ecosystem, but you're going to be in a position where it's not going to be a big enough story to make the headlines. And you're going to see a lot of that happen. I think in the past three years, we've seen a lot of that with PPP loan fraud and things of that nature. My biggest thing as a founder is I'm trying to really tighten up everything as far as the finances, financials, the reporting metrics as my company. And we'll get to another story around transparency, but also understanding that there is a depth to being a private company, right? And being able to manage that is 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 a dance that you have to play. I was just at an event that I attended this week in San Francisco. It was an event put on by Axios and Dan Premack was interviewing John Collison, who also saw John Collison previously interview Sam Bank or not Sam Bankman Freed, Sam Altman at the Stripe Sessions event. But you know, Dan Premack is a very, very hard hitting asking the hard questions. And, you know, John Collison, 12 years into Stripe, they clearly aren't going to reveal any kind of real financials to business. They don't really have any intent to go public or answer questions around those things related to revenue. So that's the benefit of being a private company. And there's always going to be a overlap of being a private company, not wanting to share very, very 
important information like revenue and metrics and being kind of held to the fire by the media when we see these stories around Sam Bankman-Fried and we see these stories around Elizabeth Holmes or the young lady who essentially sold her company to JP Morgan Chase for $175 million. And we find out that she created fake data to boost her user count. And I think what the founder, the modern day founder will have to do, will have to be much more transparent, particularly if you're underrepresented, you're going to have to be even more above board with reporting, but you still should push back on things that you feel like overly interrogate the business that you're building. And if it is not an advantage to you to share that information, you have to recognize that and understand when it is the right time and when it's not the right time. And obviously don't steal money, don't misuse funds, try to run very clean financials, be very transparent around your business, around payroll, around accounting, utilize accounting solutions, hard thing, pay for those accounting solutions, utilize legal services, make sure all your documents are are up to par, make sure you're signing NDAs if you are sharing pertinent information. Because again, this information gets leaked and it conflicts with what you said publicly or what you said to an investor or, or customer. These things bite you in the ass. I've had real-time experiences. I, I can never forget last year we're in a position where we're having a very deep conversation with a Fortune 100 company. Their corporate venture capital arm have reached out to talk about our product. And, you know, probably in the pitch and demonstration, I talked about us being in some form of engagement. I think we'd probably sign like an NDA and we started to go through the vendor procurement process with this company, but they weren't yet a customer. And that gets back to the corporate venture capital team. They talk probably internally with that team that's making those decisions. It gets brought up. It looks fishy. Next thing you know, this company is saying that you know we're lying and we're we're saying that they're a customer when that was never said, but because things get murky, people talk. And as a founder, you have to have an unbelievable amount of ethical fortitude when you're dealing with situations, but you also have to understand that no venture capitalist is going to give you money if you don't have any traction. And if you're pre-revenue and you don't have traction and you don't have a customer, you're always got to sell something as a value prop to why they would give you money that you have something. Maybe you have a great product. Maybe you have a great team. But you have to have some kind of attractive asset that a venture capitalist is even going to want to invest in your company. So that's the the dog and pony show to you pl- dog and pony show we play as founders. But you also don't want to be in a position where you have to lie or you have to tell a gray lie to get money because then you're going to be on the other side of that experience and it's not going to be fun. So try to stay principled. Try to keep things to your chest that are important, but also try to be and live in public as much as you can, as much as it allows you and do it as it pertains to helping your business. I see a lot of people try to do sharing in public. The most successful people who share everything in public, it is a marketing driver. And we'll talk a bit of a story about that here shortly, but it's a marketing play. It's not for them to just tell everybody what they're doing, right? They're out marketing their business and trying to get drum up adoption and drum up leads and drum up sales. So that's when it makes sense. If it doesn't relate to that, you know, hold things to your chest, expose what you have to and just play the game. The next topic of discussion on this week's podcast is Datadog. Datadog, which is historically known as an observability company, and many engineers use this product to monitor their software, the activity that's happening in their in their software. And 
they very much are very, very notorious for having high price points. Actually, we've had a guest on the show previously, a good friend of mine, Lateram, who has a company called Middleware, which is a Datadog competitor in the mid-market space, and he's doing quite well. He actually raised $6.5 million out of the most recent YC batch, one of the higher valuations in that batch. And it's a whole process and a whole product space that in many ways, you know, people use Datadog because you just need to track these detections. But monitoring, alerting, and all the things that you need in your system can probably be bought elsewhere. It is a very, very expensive product. They have a very, very aggressive sales team. I had one call with them and they were, they are very, very repetitive and they follow up consistently. And so I found out about this story. It was posted on Twitter by Turner Novak. And, you know, he talked about the quarter one earnings calls, which basically the chief financial officer at Datadog, you know, was asked, you know, from the JP Morgan Chase Research Division, they said, David, looking at the math on this large upfront bill that did occur, it seems to be about $65 million. If I'm running that correctly, can you possibly shed a little more light? For instance, will you recapture that or some of the Q2, some of that in Q2, and what type of customer and customer dynamic is operating at that level? And then I have a quick follow-up. So, you know, the analyst, the researcher is coming at him with this question because it's like, how the fuck do you make $65 million on one customer? And if if you did do that, how repeatable is this? And are you going to be able to do this recurring? And the response from the CFO was as this, David Obstler, chief financial officer at Datadog, says, yes, that is a customer of ours. What we said was the billing frequency changed and the size. So that customer's bill will be spread out more over time. That company, that was a crypto company, which people are saying that it was Coinbase, continues to be a customer of ours, but that was an early optimizer. We had always talked that some of the industries that were most affected optimized. And that is, so we will get that. We will get that bill at the smaller size than was billed last year in a more chunked up billing way. So to clarify, and Turner clarifies in his tweet storm after he went viral with this tweet, this is 100%, this is 100% real. I haven't actually listened to the audio, but it's a screenshot of the Q1 earnings call transcript from Datadog's investor relations website. B, we don't know 100% that it was Coinbase. Lots of other crypto companies that raised obscene amounts of money without any financial controls whatsoever. But I do feel as you look at this story, really why I'm talking about this on the founder segment is one thing I learned from this is like Datadog makes a lot of fucking money. Any company that you've built that is able to generate $65 million from one customer, like you're doing a damn good job of, of, of running your business. And I've heard these stories around Datadog from multiple people, how it's an expensive product, but it's also an essential product. Even my wife, you know, she had mentioned at an event last year how Datadog was very much on top of their game from a product demonstration standpoint. So I think it just really teaches like building an essential product is so critical to building a great business. And as you're building a B2B company, which, you know, I am, you quickly learn how important it is to both have a lot of customers, but also track how much those customers are paying you. Right. Most companies, like if you if you look deeper into Datadog's story, right, they they ended up reporting that they have twenty five thousand five hundred customers up from you know nineteen point eight thousand last year. 
They also noted that they're including customers that they got through an acquisition of Cloudcraft, which is about another 1,400 customers. They ended the quarter with 2,900 customers at, with AR of 100K or more, which is up 2,250. So customers were spending a lot more money on their service. Those customers generated 85% of the AAR and they generated free cash flow of $116 million. So if you're a B2B founder and actually have an interview coming up with the founder who just started and she's already thinking like this because you know the way she approaches the market is how can she make 100k on a customer and when you're selling into the enterprise it's super critical to think in these bigger numbers out of the gate especially now when we're in a recession or we're you know I think in tech we're in a recession 90% a lot of companies are 90% off their lattice valuation both private and public if we're not in a recession overall if you're in a technology sector, you're building a technology startup, you're building a venture-backed company, we are in a recession. It is important to understand these dynamics, understand these numbers, and move up market quickly, if at all possible, to cover your ass, essentially, and not be in a position where you're going to have to go continually raise money in the next 24 months, when I think things will get even harder as it pertains to raising. A lot of people says we're saying we're back right now because people like Dom who started fast has launched a new company. And there are w- in areas where we are back, in, you know, particularly in the AI space, but generally we're still a long way from being fully back. But Datadog gets the, you know, gets the shot out of the week for being able to generate $65 million on one customer, right? That's a crazy number. I mean, that is a fascinating opportunity to be a part of. So whoever closed that deal, they're living very well. But wanted to highlight that story. Hit it, hit, hit me up with the notes. What do you think about that story? It, it made its way across the internet and I thought it'd be pertinent to reference it here on the show. Welcome back to the Stretch Floor Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Parker. I'm here with a good friend of mine dating back to, say, 15 years. I don't want to get put too much of an age stamp on this, but uh, I got the homie Vidal Nelson on the show today. Vidal is, I would call, a lifestyle health and wellness expert, self-taught. Really, for the past five years, we've always had conversations about diet, nutrition, fitness, and he's most recently started to share more because, you know, he's been very not on social media like that. But in the past three months, he's really started to share more about his regimen. So I wanted to bring him on to the show today because a lot of you are, you know, I believe performers first and foremost, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're an operator, whether you're a parent that's trying to remain at a high level while dealing with with kids and families. I think Vidal is, is a very strong exemplar, exemplary person to talk to. So I brought him on the show today to really just break down and unpack a lot of the kind of nutrition, health and wellness things that we we think about and how we can be high performers. But now, welcome to the show, brother. Matt, man, I appreciate you having me on, bro. Thanks for that intro. That intro was solid, man. I'm I'm humbled. (laughs) I'm humbled to hear that, man. But now, thanks for having me here, man. This is uh, awesome what you're doing. So I'm, uh, I'm honored to be a part of it. Good, good. So, so jumping right in, Vidal, our audience primarily, you know, the Stress for Podcast focuses on professionals, entrepreneurs, people building companies, which can be a very high stress impact job. I feel my background, your background aligns to sports and training. Mm-hmm. Uh, you playing college football at James Madison, me playing basketball. A lot of the 
the the things we think about is how can we perform. So I would love for you just to give the the, the audience an introduction on kind of who you are and yep. particularly how that fits into your wellness and performance journey of being a high performer, not only on the on on the field and at the workspace, but also just in life in general. For sure, man. You said it right. Like regardless of the field, regardless of of where you are, in some way, shape, form, fashion, we're performing, and and that's a carryover into you know our day to day. Aside from what it is we do, you know, to keep the lights on, right? So for me, man, I you, like you like you mentioned, coming from just having a background in sports, that's really kind of what I say to people is my foundation, right? So. Growing up playing sports, being active, that really is the foundation. I would say that that's the the tree that was planted for me. And then the branches, you know, as I've come into my own as a as a as a man, as a as a father, as a husband, those branches are starting to you know or have started to grow. And that's where you see the other elements of just performance, like as you mentioned, and, and lifestyle. Got you. And so. Jumping into the fitness side of things, I think that's really a spot where I've really started to, you know, appreciate your work because, you know, we Indeed. dating ourselves, but college right. football for us, you know, we didn't, you know, is, is a long way in the, in the horizon. And you see a lot of cats that get, they put on the weight, yep. um, you know, even in my line of work now being, you know, kind of an entrepreneur, it's interesting to see the type of people and how people take care of themselves. You particularly, I would say you probably from a physique standpoint. Or, or tracking even more performance level. Like you looking good these days, bro. You Appreciate got your, it, man. You, you pecked up, you know, yeah. saying, your, your body fat percentage is down. Yes, sir. Maybe, maybe unpack that because I think that's where at a high sure. level, a lot of this starts with just physique and building and, and fitness and, and weight training and just being able to do this over, over a set amount of times. Unpack a bit of your training regimen and how you stay on top of it and how much time you spend For uh, working sure. on that. All right, yeah. So just connecting the dots, right? Coming out of out of college, I, I pretty much knew what I knew, and that going back to that foundation piece that I spoke about a little bit earlier, right? I knew how to work out, how to move around, I knew how to throw weights around, run, jump, whatever. The the component that was missing though was the connecting the dots. The one the main component that was missing was the nutrition. So, and I know we're going to get to that, but to paint the picture of how, why and I'm able to to do what I do now, uh, that's a, a major piece of it. So once I was left JMU, man, I like I said, I had that foundation, but I had no knowledge. There was no real base about what I was putting in my body and how it affected it. Today, you know, that's a complete 180 for me. So as you mentioned, yeah, I was a Division One football player then. And younger, which is pretty wild to think about. Um, we'll talk about longevity later. But I was coming off of playing Division One football, and I was younger. But now, if, if I put a side by side up picture, you know, from when I was left JMU to now, I would pretty. I would like to say, you know, I, the the guy who looks more in shape or who looks more fit or more healthy would be myself today, and I'm able to do that. Because of, I would say, one discipline, of course, but just having the knowledge of an understanding of of what it is that I'm doing, and can, and I've been able to connect the dots that some of those dots that were missing. So to to answer your question, as of today and as now, as of as of right now, having that foundation is certainly a plus, right? So I go into the gym and I know what to do. I know how to 
burn calories, lift weights. I, I know what to do and what to target. And I've, I've had that discipline coming from, again, coming from my background. So I'm able to stay active, one, because I want to, but I, I will say that I have an advantage at, like yourself, man. We come from a great school that had great strength and conditioning programs that, that gave us that knowledge. But how does that carry over once you're gone? What a lot you see, you see a lot of former athletes, a lot of their former teammates that that's don't don't have that drive or are not still doing some of those things. So, like I said, man, you you one is the the foundation, the knowledge. Two is the the is the the drive to do so, and then three is you know I think combining those and and putting that that one foot in front of the other day day in and day out. Once you you know when you do that, you're you're able to continue what you, you know, you're able to take what you had, create something different. And then that's when it, you know, that's what it looks like when you get, when you start today. Yeah. Hey, Matt. So we, as we pick it back up, you started this Instagram feed, sharing your fitness stuff, sharing your fitness workouts, sharing a lot of the nutritional recommendations you've had. I think you've had a couple IG lives, you know, so you're still very early in the game, but sure. you also, uh, you've already secured kind of this established gym ambassador size. So I think you've already understood that, you know, these, there's a lot of opportunity to benefit other brands or entities that are trying to build themselves. So you started with mostly locally, I believe. So maybe share a bit about the local relationship with the gym partnership that you now have, as I'm starting to see more of your content is, is happening in, in a specific place and facility. Yeah, for sure. So the gym is called F45 and it was the the one that I've partnered with is actually the first F forty five in Virginia Beach. Now I'm fortunate enough to to know the ownership, but they had been well established. It's it's fairly new, and I, when I say well established, I mean they they've had the a incredible rollout. However, you know they wanted to kind of broaden their reach, and like I said, I made this Instagram just a couple of months ago. I think the timing was divine because I came to Instagram pushing health, wellness, right? Workout. Yep. And like I said, it just kind of went hand in hand. Uh, so they reached out to me to uh, essentially become a, uh, what they call an influencer partner. Um, okay. So, and that means, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it is indeed a partnership. I go there, work out, I'm able to work out, help them kind of, grow their brand, which feels funny to me. It feels funny for me to say that because I, yeah. I don't feel like they need help. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so for I'm sure, like, for sure. I'm helping them. But nonetheless, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been thus far a great partnership. I want to say maybe uh, about a month ago, I joined, I teamed up with them to, <clears throat> excuse me, like I said, to create some content and, and just to showcase their, their gym and what they're doing and even that brand as a whole, to showcase it maybe to a, a different audience that they might be a little bit different than, than what they're reaching or what, what's currently, what they're currently, their membership portfolio currently looks like. Mm -hmm. So it's been, mm -hmm. um, it's been great, man. I've been enjoying it. I think that the gym, I think that the, the brand that they have, I think that is very, very impactful uh it's, mm -hmm. it's great for the community uh, mm -hmm. so i think for me it's like it really they uh, it aligns to not only what i'm doing in the fitness space uh, yep. but it aligns to you know just some of the, the core values that i have man they're really they're really big on um helping people and adding value to people to people's lives in a in a you know 
a great way. So I enjoy it, man. It's been it's been awesome to be able to be a part of that. Gotcha. And so you you've already been able to do that. And then is there other I know you also mentioned that you had, you know, a supplement brand because I think yeah. supplements and that's a whole nother diatribe yeah. we can go down. But For sure, there there seems to be an emerging trend of a lot of these new supplement products that people can take. You particularly have a partnership with one that you trust and you believe in. And what can you share about that? And for at, sure, at a high man. Level? I just. Yeah. So first off, the brand is called Muscle Feast. Um, okay. They're they're a family-owned supplement brand. They're out of um, Ohio, which, you know, I have some ties to Ohio. So, yeah, I'm, yo, they're going to get sick of me talking about <laughs> the universe and God, man. But I'm yeah. just like, yo, these things just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, they just happen for, you know what I'm saying? Things don't yeah. just happen. They happen for a reason, right? Exactly. So, anyway, to me, that that also means something. They're, they're out of Ohio, which, you know, both of my parents are, are my mom was born and raised in Ohio. My dad grew up there. Mm-hmm. So, nonetheless, they're, like I said, they're family owned. What stood out to me was, uh, well, sorry, let me backtrack. I have been using this product for the last few years. I mean, the reason why is because when I went to look for a whey protein, I wanted to find something that was grass fed and that was clean. That was my two things. And a lot of these, you know, companies, um, they mean well and they have great products, but they, they're using whey. Uh, that's not mm-hmm. from grass-fed animals. So to me, mm-hmm. those were the two non-negotiables. Like I wanted something grass-fed and I wanted something that that they didn't have ingredients that I knew would be a microbiome disruptor, man. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So I actually found this company from doing some research, looking for my own. And then, like I said, I've been using them for the last few years mm-hmm. and they, they're great. I knew they were high quality because I've been using them. So when I came to Instagram, yeah, man, I started creating content and pushing it out. And a buddy of mine, man, was like, hey, well, this is prior to, to this, but he was like, hey, he was kind of co- coaching me on, on, on Instagram and giving me tips here. Yeah. He was like, you should, you should tag brands that, you know, you, you, like- you make your content. Yeah. So I started tag, tagging Muscle Feast, man, in my post, and they ended up reaching out to me, man. They said okay. somebody, somebody on their team saw my post. Um, they mm-hmm. reached out. Uh, they, 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 originally were like, hey, would you want to do something, you know, a partnership where you post a link and, and this and mm-hmm. that. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. And then they doubled back and was like, wait, we actually want you to come on board and be affiliate um, okay, and be a true partner, which I was like, yeah, man, listen, there's no question. I've been, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I, we share some of the same core values and beliefs when it comes to nutrition. So to me, it was just a no brainer, man, when they reached out it, I was like, yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Let's rock. So I'm going to make that announcement, like I said, tomorrow. I think uh, by the time this airs. Yeah, this will be out. And so we'll we'll make sure we link in your, your affiliate sure. link to this show, and, yeah. and, you know, as a product that you recommend. And it's, it's really, Absolutely. you know, I think for doing this for only three months, you know, you're already starting to see the benefits to other businesses with the health and wellness content. And I feel like as a differentiator... If we could chat a little bit before we close, just being, you know, a black man doing this and taking on this initiative. I mean, we have examples like Sean Stevenson, but, you know, there's a there is a I think a gap between how we as African-American people think about health and wellness versus sometimes how our, you know, white counterparts or I live in I live in the Bay Area where. You know, if you look at the obesity rates here in the U.S. and you mm-hmm. compare it to Asia, it's, it's night and day. And just the way they eat is different. The way they, right. their lifestyle is different. 
what what are some of the main things you're trying to 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 set an example as we can also this flows into parenting and having mm-hmm. two daughters how is this how have you how do you instill this in them how do you obviously this is unique in that your mom was actually the big proponent of it being yeah. a black woman to to yep. inspire it what are some things that we as a community should do better and how do you how do you try to instill that into your lifestyle with some of these things that might be taboo in our culture and our, our communities? Man, great questions, bro. It's a lot to unpack, but I think um, I'm going to keep going back to, to knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. to, to that knowledge base. I think that there's certain things we see, man. The old adage is like, if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's <laughs> a duck, right? Yeah, so yeah. I think that one, this is what I tell people too, is like, I'm trying to go back to what our ancestors did, right? And that goes okay. with fasting, that goes with the eating, like eating of the earth, man. They, and, and this is our, our ancestors and just human ancestors, right? Yeah. It, it, humanity. You know what I mean? Humanity, bro. Like we didn't have to, they didn't have to worry about all of these adulterations to what they were eating. Granted, there was, of course, there were other things they had to worry about, right? Survival. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. But that also led to resiliency, right, for the human race to continue to go, man. So the main thing to me is to like, and, and then we can break this down to subsets of cultures, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you're Korean, whether you're African, you, you know, if you if your folks are from Ghana, or Kenya, what what have you, Ireland, go back to the way that your you know your ancestors ate and and went about their their wellness, right? Obviously, outside of the forces that they couldn't control, but when it try to figure out what your lineage is and what 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 they did, and then like I said, if you want to go a step further than that, you can go back to our to our human ancestors that didn't eat every day or didn't eat around the clock because they couldn't. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? And that you know developed resiliency in them. But to to so so I would say knowledge, right? Just kind of drilling, going back and 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 trying to get a foundation uh, and understand and, and being open. You know what I mean? Don't be closed off to just this is how it is and this is what I'm going to do. I, I would say just be open to to finding and to find like to to seeking knowledge and finding new things that may be different than what you believe is, is right. Mm-hmm. right. So that's an element of it. When it comes to my children, I think exposure too. Exposure is a, is a big thing too, right? Like I told you, my father had that heart attack and then my mom just flipped the switch and went, she did a complete 180 and then started exposing me and my sister and, my, and Teresa to, to the knowledge that she was getting, right? So it's, it's, had we not had that exposure and, and understanding, we wouldn't even have, we wouldn't know, you know, you don't mm-hmm. know what you don't know, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I'm taking that and we're, we're exposing our children to the, the farmer's market. We're exposing them to farms that we take them out to the farm. They get to see animals. They get to see how animals are humanely raised and how daddy eats the entire animal. You don't just eat, we don't just eat a cut of the steak. Daddy eats, yeah. you know, the liver. Daddy eats yeah. the heart. Yeah. yeah. I see the chicken liver, yeah. the chicken liver lifestyle. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's chicken good liver, though. Beef liver, I'm eating the whole, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that also, man, listen, that also is, it, there's spiritual elements to it as well, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just like I said, just depending on what you believe in, but I'm teaching, uh, we're teaching our children that to be able to see one, uh, to, to be one with nature, to be one with earth. We go to the farmer's market, man, they get to see 
the the produce with bugs and spiders crawling in it. They get to see that this was come. This comes from a farm. My mom has a little farm, uh, a, a, a little farm bucket in her backyard, a farm box, excuse me. And the girls go over there and they get dirty in the farm. They get to see how they their grandmother plants tomatoes. She plants. Yeah. So it's just like a, a sustainable way of living um, and a wholesome way of living and understanding that what we put in our bodies, it, it's more than just fuel. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. more than just a, a simple, all everything we put in our body will, will have an impact. And, and we're just exposing them to that at an early age. Cause like I said, exposure to me is key. Now, but that's not to say they don't get pizza. It's not to say they don't yeah. get cake. And, you know what I mean? It's a, we yeah. do believe in balance, but I think the main thing is um, exposing them and just setting a foundation that they'll have from now, hopefully, to for their whole lives, man. Mm-hmm. Now, this has been great. Vidal, Vidal Nelson, this has been an amazing uh, episode of the Stretch Four podcast where we, we we dived into some other areas where we don't as we don't talk about as much, but we are are are. Pro- really important for sure. performance and success. I know you're building this new content engine, so definitely let the audience know where they can find you, specifically your Instagram, I think is mainly where you're at. I know you're yep. looking at other areas like TikTok and, yeah. and Facebook, Twitter, and anywhere else they can find you. I don't know if you have like a newsletter or you have like a blog where people can find you, but uh, just shout out your socials. We'll make sure to link them in the show notes as well. Gotcha. But love for you to, to, to shout out where where people can find, follow, like, and subscribe and things. Yeah, man. As of right now, the the one and only channel is Instagram for sure. Uh, like we talked about, I just got back, so I'm trying to I'm trying to figure this one out before I start branching out, you yeah. know, to other avenues. But it is it's, it's Instagram is is where I'm at currently. I'm open too. Listen, like I said, mm-hmm. I'm a student, so. I need folks to let me know ideas mm. where. What's we're, your What's your Instagram handle? Yeah, it's Future. I'm sorry, it's Future. So that's P A. It's like nephew, but mm-hmm. with the G at the end. So it's P H E W C H I Future. Okay. Yep. Okay. Future. So, okay. Yeah. So I'm definitely heavy on on Instagram right now. But like I said, I'm um I'm open to other to other avenues and and tools to to share knowledge and uh, to learn knowledge as well man so or to gain knowledge excuse me so but as of right now man they can find me at, at future and I'm, I'm sure um as i as i continue to to get my bearings and footing with, with instagram I, i'll start to branch off um yeah the newsletter is is, is something that i aspire to, to get so okay so, uh, keep yeah keep definitely keep your eye open for that one Mm-hmm. And do you do any, uh, is there any kind of templates you created or anything like, I mean, map, I'm sure you're going to get to that, but just yeah. mapping out this five year process for, to, sure. for the people, people like me, that's this, you know, one foot in, one foot out of this wow. whole health yeah. wellness journey, but like just the baseline of resources and all that stuff. Yeah, man, that's coming, man. I just okay. met a young man the other day at the gym, a 22 year old guy, man. He was, uh, he actually was posing in the bathroom with his physique and asked me how he looked. And uh, yeah. said, he looked he looked great, man. He asked me if I did any coaching or if I had yeah. any. And I told him, oh, that's coming. I know um, I, it's, a, it's a slow grind for me right now just because yeah. I just got back. But um, now all of that is coming, man. I think okay. um, another thing is, you know, I'm getting out of the, the psychological part of my mind and, and of being just kind of like, Told myself back, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Been here for a few Imposter months. syndrome, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, now with yeah, the, yeah. the way the internet works, you know, yeah. people are building these brands in, in a shorter amount of time than ever. Yeah, so uh, utilizing these tools. So I think for you, I think the best thing about you and the reason I, again, brought you on the show is this is something you've been doing consistently for right. 
better half of five years. So yeah. you already practically are doing this naturally. Yeah. So it's it's just an it's just kind of a, a an exhaust of what you do. So it's yeah. it's going to be easy, and you're gonna yeah. you know you're gonna pick people up because people see that. That's what I feel like people like is the consistency. I mean, for me, that's why I appreciate. You know, I've been doing this newsletter podcast not even really a year, but it's mm-hmm. I can tell everybody that that likes it is like the consistency is the key. So yeah. uh, you already got that that in in, in the DNA. So I think it's going to be successful. Nah, I appreciate that, man. That's um, that's encouraging, man. So yeah, everybody says that too. Consistency, and we know that, right? Consistency yeah. is key. But um, <laughs> obviously, when you jumping into new space, it's like you, mm-hmm. there's so many other things that that are, are so many other factors you you want to get under your belt. So nah, I appreciate that, man. I'm definitely, um, you know, I'm tapped into the to the podcast, and I think we should uh, continue to try to give you a different, maybe a little, a different little spice to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what we wanted. We want to switch it up, you know, cause I think performance and doing everything is, is, is all inclusive, but uh, it's been good having you on the show today yeah. with Dow. Again, it's for now. Nelson's our guest today. Uh, find him on inf- Instagram. We'll link to that in the show notes. If you're in a Virginia area, I don't know. We got listeners there, you know, he's in Virginia beach specifically, but a lot more to come on this front, but this is the stretch Four podcast. And I'm your host, Matt Parker. That's all we got for today. We'll talk to you next time.